What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, legalizing, we take a closer look at pending Canadian legislation to remove the ban on single-game betting from the federal criminal code. Paul Burns, president and CEO of the Canadian Gaming Association, joins me to discuss Bill C-13 and the process on the way to approval of legislation that could change the way we bet here in Canada. Paul gives his insight into what it takes to get betting legislation approved, the potential economic benefit, and what the landscape might look like in the future. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to the window. I'm your host and sports betting professional, Matt Russell, and I think this is going to be a good one. Uh, I like to think this show is more than just about handicapping games and making picks. It's about learning about sports betting and becoming a better better, for sure. And we have guests on to help realize those goals. But I also think this show should occasionally focus on learning about the sports betting industry, taking time to do that, right? The sports betting industry as a whole. And we're about five years or so deep into the repeal of PASPA in the United States. And many of our listeners are American and are either in states where legalization has come through and are sort of wading through those waters, or they're wondering why it hasn't for their state. Meanwhile, our listeners here in Canada have lived in this gray area for two decades and in many ways been ahead of the game in that they're ahead of sports betting developments like in-game betting, you know, a larger menu of options than even those in Las Vegas, which of course has the reputation for sort of being first to the party. And, and, and frankly, it's not even close. We have way more options than they do and have for a while. But we always felt the need to have these conversations about sports betting as an aside, under the table, with a wink. And because there's been so much uncertainty about we can't, what we can and cannot do with regards to online betting, you know, that's kind of just where we've been at for the last couple of decades. And so while we're ahead of our peers in the U.S. from a user standpoint, our government has found itself lagging behind. So in comes our guest today, Paul Burns, the president and CEO of the Canadian Gaming Association. Paul, welcome to the window. Matt, thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I've been dying to have you on here for a while because you and your team, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be really exciting to sort of be you guys right now. You know, you're at the forefront of some significant changes on the way for sports betting in Canada. And we'll get to that. But first, as we do with a new guest on the window, we need to get to know the man behind the title, who is Paul Burns. So normally if on this show, there's an assumption that you bet on sports. But in this case, that might not be the case. You might not even like sports, Paul, for all I know. So first off, are you a sports fan? If so, you know where are you from and what teams were you a fan of as a kid? And, and even now, of course. Well, I'm uh, I'm based in Toronto, and I'm a born and raised Torontonian. So I have been a long-suffering Toronto Maple Leafs fan and a hockey fanatic. Love hockey. Watch, can't mm -hmm. wait for it to come back and start watching again. I'm occasional sports better. I don't. I think hockey, um, as betting on the outcome of a hockey game is kind of eh, not too exciting. <laughs> live in game, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I think it's someone who can get live in-game for NHL hockey right uh, will do really well in this country. Um, but, uh, no, my, uh, 
my background, I've been in, with the association for almost 15 years. And uh, I fell into the gaming business, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, and so I, you're a... F- you're a fan of sports and we all grow up to be something, right? Like, you know, so, you know, and I doubt this was sort of something that was on your radar as a youth. So, so what did you end up doing for the start of your career? And like you said, sort of how do you fall into the Canadian gaming association? Well, my background actually was in, in politics and being a political staff uh, in here in Ontario and at the federal level, um, working in the, uh, the Mulroney government at the end of '93, uh, working in for Mike Harris uh, when he was in opposition, and then working for the Conservative government in Ontario post 1995, when um, it kind of fell into it. it. Got handed a file, and they were province was looking at expanding uh, the offering for casinos and potentially slots at racetracks, and got into it there. Found uh, the industry was great. Interesting people to work with, always colorful uh, sure. in this industry, yeah. as you can imagine. And um, yeah. one thing led to another, and then I ended up leaving government and working for a company trying to develop gaming facilities in Ontario. And uh, But they also owned, um, had interest in a chain of video poker bars in Las Vegas. And so I did okay. compliance work for them there. And uh, it kind of, one thing led to another, and then in 2000. Six, there was a move to start an association in Canada, and a person I'd worked with in the past asked me to join them in creating the association. And we are simply a national trade association, represents um, operators, suppliers, and those affiliated with Canada's $17 billion a year gaming industry. And so we are a a national organization uh, representing... uh, those involved in all facets of gaming, not just sports, but from casinos and in uh, other game technology and consulting and payment processing and all kinds of things. So, okay, so so how does that work? Like, what is an example of a situation where you have to be that representative? Well, this is a, sports has been the longest one I've been working on. <laughs> so, oh, okay, um, <laughs> fair enough. This. Um, this move to change the criminal code uh, to remove the prohibition on the wagering the outcome of a single event started for me in 2008. Okay. Um, then Ontario government decided that something they thought would be sports betting could be a good new product, especially for Ontario's casinos. And the first letter was written to the federal government by the province of Ontario um, advocating and requesting that the change be made. And that was also followed up then with the association going in behind and starting to uh, lobby, meet with members of parliament and the government of the day to um, test the appetite to see if they could would do this change. It's, uh, it's the only mechanism the provinces have. They have to request the change. The overarching laws for gaming in Canada reside in the criminal code. And the provinces look after all the regulation operation and things. So... It's really just this, this simple overarching laws that need to be changed um, come with the provinces having to request. Uh, there was a change done previously in the late 90s because uh, dice games were prohibited in Canada okay. under the criminal code. Okay. And that change was made in the late 1990s. Uh, so we didn't think it would take this long. 
<laughs> to be right. honest. Yeah. Yeah. We're rolling dice, guys. Like, yeah. can, we, can we bet on some sports too while, so, it's at, while we're at that it? That only took a couple of years. This, for some reason, took a lot longer. And, uh, and for reasons that we, that really have nothing to do with betting on sports. Um, because uh, a lot of lawmakers had a problem when I said, well, we've had legal sports betting for decades. You right. just can't bet on the outcome of one game, one right. event. And I said, it's like being able to sell beer. We can sell six packs, but we can't sell 12s and 24s. Like I said, <laughs> you, you got to give them, yeah. like, trying to find analogies that people would connect to to say, yeah, you know what? We need, it's a simple change. It's the, the heavens aren't going to part and things aren't, bad things aren't going to happen here. Uh, and we need to catch <laughs> up. And fortunately, lawmakers, some, the House of Commons was actually a, a lot easier venue to deal with because there was a lot of receptiveness to it. And a lot of people said, what do you mean you can't bet on this? Well, no, you can't. And here's why. And <laughs> I had some interesting conversations with some senators over the years who said, what do you mean I just can't pick up the phone and make a bet? Where <laughs> um, they didn't even know? <laughs> they didn't even know or they were picking up the phone and making bets for years and didn't know that what they were doing was illegal. Uh, um, okay. So you, uh, so it was, um, so this, this advocacy work for us has been, um, it's a, a great example of the kind of work as an association we do and advocating for change. And okay. we're a heavily regulated industry. So ensuring that uh, the regulation and regulatory framework in Canada is, is somewhat harmonized across the country and, and making it easier for people to do business in the gaming business is yeah. really our objective. Well, and I imagine you do spend a lot of your time explaining why sports betting should be legalized and explaining all of that stuff. So, I mean, the good news here is that you're sort of already preaching to the choir. We <laughs> yes. are already on board, right? Like, we are the easiest uh -huh. audience that you're ever going to have. And, of course, we don't have those same sort of um, relatively silly questions. And I should mention, for our friends in the United States who maybe aren't aware, we actually do have sports betting, as Paul says. We have um, parlay a lottery, if you will, right? Where let's just be honest about things like the odds aren't very good, um, both before and after you parlay these teams together, right? A lot of, you know, sort of a flat 1.75 is kind of, you know, standard 1.7 to 1.75 is sort of standard. Whereas of course in single game betting in Las Vegas or online, it's, you know, obviously 1.9, 1.91. Um, and so, yeah, like this idea that like, oh, yeah, you guys already have it. Like, you should be happy with that. And it's like, well, no, that's not really how, how this works. And so, you know, we watched the repeal of PASPA open things up in the United States. And, you know, you mentioned this quirky hurdle of like this thing that's like sort of deep in the criminal code that needs to get changed. And like, there's obviously a, you know, that being a hurdle in and of itself. And so the solution is Bill C-13, um, so fundamentally, tell us about that. Minister David Lametti, I believe is his name, is sort of the guy who I would say is spearheading that from the government side. Uh, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong at any point. And sort of like, what is the proposal, essentially, with regards to Bill C-13? Well, Bill C-13 is, is sort of the, the culmination. It's the fourth or fifth bill, actually, uh, on <laughs> right, this that's been written over the years. Um, they've all, and this has been the same. Uh, it simply removes the prohibition. There's a uh, section 2074-1A1B um, makes amendment and removes uh, a simple a few words uh, and adds a comma and 
couple other places. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. not complicated legislation by any stretch. And so, <laughs> right. um, and it really was the federal government just enables the provinces then will have the rights to determine the how, what, when, and where sports betting will occur. So the federal government simply just enables the provinces to pursue this, um, right. which has made it so frustrating. Okay. Uh, because the federal government what? has no involvement in gaming other than amendments to the criminal code like this. They don't do anything. Right. They have no other further involvement. And so the provinces have been managers and stewards of the industry for since the early 90s. Uh, well, the, the federal government transferred authority in the late 80s, and the business really started to take off in the early 90s. And so, yeah, as you said, with sports lotteries, not being the most attractive product, um, people sought out other means, and 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 that's spawned a, with the growth of internet wagering since we started this in 2008 has been tremendous, and so mm -hmm. it's um, for our in, for the gaming industry it's been an unequal playing field. Too, we end yeah. up being able to offer the product that people can find uh, online or in other places, and so that's been a frustrating part. So, obviously, from a you know political standpoint, it's, it's pretty similar to the to the repeal of PASPA in the states, where again, it's you know federally we remove the obstacle, and then it's up to each individual province. So, um, first and foremost, like this still hasn't been uh, approved. No. So, what's the timing look like for an approval standpoint? So, we expect the the House recessed on December eleventh uh, for the yeah. for the Christmas break. They come back January twenty fifth. The precursor bill C-218, which was in, put into the House of Commons in this parliament by Kevin Waugh, the member from Saskatoon, and Conservative MP. Um, previous bill was done by Brian Massey and Windsor, uh, NDP MP. Um, and um, so C-218 actually still sits on the order paper as well. It hasn't been removed yet because we want to make sure the government's going to do this. Um, okay. And so it, it's a very simple process. It just requires now uh, a debate at second reading, which can take an hour, maybe two at tops. I don't think there's enough. Mm -hmm. There's not much left to be said, to be frank, um, <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't been said in debate. Um, and then it would get referred to the House of Commons um, Justice Committee for review, which could take a few sessions. To, Two or three depends on what the committee decides, and then back to the house for another hour of two debate before it would pass third reading, and then be sent to the Senate to repeat the process. And the Senate would then have first, second reading, committee hearings, and third reading. And so the the change this time is that this is for the first time a government bill, which is that the Liberal government has chosen to pick up and take this on when there was already a bill in the house and said, "No, we're going to make it a government bill." And where this really helps okay. is that they can move this as quickly as they want, which is we're thrilled right. with. Uh, private members' bills kind of get on a track, and it's a big of a conveyor belt that goes at a pace, and that pace can't change. Um, right. And in the Senate, that conveyor belt gets even worse. Um, we had a previous bill, C-290, that sat in the Senate for three and a half years after being passed on unanimous consent voice votes in the House of Commons. And the Senate refused to vote on it. Um, <laughs> for reasons that had nothing to do with sports betting, <laughs> which was the frustrating part. <laughs> and so now we have a chance. The government bills in the Senate have to be dealt with. They get put on a, uh, and they get priority. And so all things are aligning for timing purposes. There's really no reason in the next 
four or five months, this can't be passed. And it's going to take four or five months right. to get through because just because of the okay. process. Uh, but there's no okay. reasons right now that would impede this bill uh, at all. It's right. the, the measure has enjoyed uh, a great coalition of support from the provincial governments yeah. making requests to organizations like the Canadian Chamber of Commerce, the Canadian Labor Congress, Unifor. Unifor's leader Jerry Diaz has been a tremendous supporter of this. They represent 8,000 casino workers in the country. Oh, okay. um, and amateur sport groups like the, the International Olympic Committee wrote letters on previous attempts. Uh, Canada Soccer, has, the amateur community, has stepped up and said, we need this. So there, there's been a wide range of people. And the last really group to the table were the professional sports leagues in North America. And, and, <laughs> right, yeah. and they've obviously have changed their views. Um, and they've been great advocates lately too, bringing their voice to Ottawa. So the combination of a number of fronts got the government to, um, to look at this. I think one of the things that, that we had started, the gaming industry in Canada has been hard hit by COVID in a lot of places in British Columbia. Well, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. yeah. The British Columbia casinos have never reopened since March. So they're now right. working on nine months of being closed in their ninth month now. Um, others have opened and closed, depending on restrictions and liabilities. In Ontario, the casino has been limited to capacities of 50 people, um, which is a hard... And so we saw this as a way to say to the government, please, pass this, give this industry a new product to come out of COVID with to bring people back into our properties. Um, and so there is, um, they heard us and now we're mm -hmm. hopefully they can deliver and we can get this done. Well, and as a guy, right, just sitting around talking about his friend, talking to his friends about this, um, you know, and one, you know, bringing up sort of the COVID element from a government standpoint in the taxation dollars, are you know not to be ignored necessarily and there's some money that needs to be replenished here from again you know everything that's happened here so uh from their standpoint like it's one thing for you of course to be like hey like we're losing money here you know this situation out of our control you know there's got to be an element of them being like yeah you know what we're losing money here too or, or, or we could we could use an extra shot in the arm here from a tax dollars standpoint like how much do you sort of put that into um, their decision making. Uh, that's it's one of it's not it's some people think that mm -hmm. the money is the, is the biggest driver, and actually it isn't. There's a, there's it's really a combination of factors, and and obviously government revenue because there will be a little bit in it for government, but there will be it's uh, there's it issues of consumer protection, of fairness and level yeah. playing field to the industry, and so trying to you know repay it put some of those dollars back into the, the economy and away from the underground economy or the gray markets uh, is part of it. But uh, enhanced consumer protection, bringing regulation to a sector that, that obviously jurisdictions around the world are moving to regulate sports betting for a number of reasons, some of which are money, but some of which are just integrity of sport issues. So protecting yep. consumers in Canada, ensuring that they're gambling in, 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 uh, with sites and with organizations that uh, have the customer's best interests at heart in terms of customer care and playing responsibly. And so all of these things work into that factor, in which, uh, and so they see it holistically from that view, and, and as does the industry. Mm -hmm.
Okay. So, uh, you know, for me, you know, as, as just a guy who bets on sports essentially here, you know, I sort of see this, you know, from a four level standpoint, right? So the first level is people who benefit from this for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, I look at it like, you know, and I just get specific about it because he's been, you know, in the media about it a ton, John Levy with the score. Right. This is a he will be someone in theory who is going to benefit, you know, definitively. Um, I wonder about large U.S. companies. Um, You know, we talked a little bit about the you know government taxing element to it. But like these are potentially companies that benefit for sure, for sure. And there's sort of, you know, no real need for debate. It's where we get into the people who hopefully benefit, which is sort of the second level. And, you know, whether it's people who currently work in the gaming industry or Canadian job seekers or Canadian bettors, you know, we sort of go, yeah, I think this is going to help us, but I'm not necessarily sure. The third one is people who it may not benefit. And that also includes bettors and job seekers Um, and just in general, people that are sort of, you know betting right now and we don't know what it's necessarily going to look like and like for me you know this is how i think the industry should look right like the sports book gets to hold your money like a bank does right and it's sort of up to you to kind of not be irresponsible with that to learn how to sort of maximize you know the money that you've put into the sports betting account the reality is right like the sports book has the advantage over you and we all sort of know that like that's simple mathematics and so you know the idea of sports betting as a recreation needs to be the whole point right it has to be fun in the same way that all of the other things that you do in life are fun like before we started uh before we hit play if you will we talked you know like christmas presents and that sort of thing like we we spend money tons and tons of money betting on wrapping or buying wrapping paper so that we can just rip all the wrapping paper up and throw it out, right? So, like, the idea that, like, you know, sports betting, there needs to be some sort of return here, I think is a little bit of a myth. I think recreationally, you're going to win some and you're going to lose some, but over time, you're probably going to lose it. But the good news for the sports book is they get to hold that money, and the good news for the better is, is that we have options here where we can make our bets, right? Whether it's within a company or whether it's within the menu that is available to us. And so, you know, there's my concern there that like, if this, you know, is taken over and there's this huge change and, you know, are we going to see like OLG level pricing with when it comes to, like, it's one thing to be able to bet single game, but you know, like there's been states in the US where it's like, you know what, none of this None of this pricing is fair and that's fine. Yeah, I shouldn't say it's fine, but like that's, that's just the way that it is at that moment. And that's certainly the way it is right now with regards to the parlay element to the OLG, but that doesn't really promote responsible betting because you're at even more of a disadvantage. So, you know, I sort of wonder like how many people can we get into the, it's beneficial, you know, this change versus you know, like there are still some lingering whether, you know, who it doesn't benefit. And of course, the fourth benefit or the fourth level, I should say, is people who definitely do not benefit from this. And of course, that's the offshore betting sites. Um, and I also kind of wonder about bettors with money in those accounts and, and how will that transition look? So I know that's sort of a lot to kind of put on your plate there. But, you know, this is a, sh- a show for sports bettors. So, you know, 
the future landscape is, you know, obviously going to change quite a bit. And so how do you see that going forward um, and dealing with sort of like talk us into why this is a good thing, essentially, for us, if you could? Sure. And, and you're right. And I, I touched on earlier when I said the federal government just is the enable legislation that it's the provinces that are going to decide the who, what, where's and how's. And yeah, that's key. And that's going to be determined. And you're right that how the provincial governments and their gaming agencies and regulators choose to see the product of sports betting products roll out will determine how successful this is in, in, in achieving the objectives that everybody has. And so there's a couple things at play right now. Uh, and there's, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll start with one that's extremely positive for, I think, for sports bettors. Uh, and that's Ontario. The Ontario government. Mm-hmm. Parallel to this whole exercise, uh, over in April of 2019, announced that they were going to explore regulating and creating a regulatory market for online gaming. Um, in their most recent budget in November, they announced that they were actually working now to create the structure to uh, implement that. And what it, they have passed that legislation subsequent to the budget before Christmas, and that there will be um, a regu- the AGCO, the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario, will be the regulator for online gaming in Ontario. Um, they are looking to have a, the, a, a regulatory playing field framework laid out uh, through 2021. Probably it, the market would probably come in to go live sometime in the last quarter of the year. I think in 2021, mm-hmm. but what does it mean? Well, it means that they'll mm-hmm. actually be inviting and online gaming companies to come and be licensed in Ontario. Cause some of the objectives the province laid out in doing this was that they didn't want to get in the way of the customer experience. So what they mean is that right. you can deal directly with the company. Other provinces in the past have not toyed with the ideas of creating things like portal. We'll select six companies, but you have to come through our portal and to bet in their sites. And companies don't like that. Uh, some in, right. in customers find it, it's cumbersome. And uh, so Ontario said, no, we're not going to do that. And so what it means is the companies, and, and because of the federal law change coming and hopefully coming in advance of the Ontario market opening, is when the market opens, is that those companies that were offshore now can come and get licenses in Ontario, which means you okay. can deal directly with those companies. So the Bet365s, or the DraftKings, mm-hmm. or FanDuel, or you pick it. Whoever that is and wants to come and mm-hmm. be licensed in Ontario will be able to access the market. So choice competition um, will carry the day, and it won't be the government determining okay. winners and losers. Um, right. Will OLG have an enhanced sports platform? Probably will, and probably yeah. offer as well, but they will be competing with other products in the market. So okay. that's the good news for Ontario. Uh, in the rest of the country, there's a bit of uh, TBD, <laughs> to be frank. Right. Um, and that's something that, that you know, we're trying to, as an organization, work to, to help gaming regulators understand what they need to do, how the business works, how the company, how sports betting works, how regulatory frameworks have worked in other jurisdictions, some of that coming from, a lot of it coming from the United States to date, but trying to find and creating a landscape that can be beneficial to consumers. So 
Will there be provinces where your only choice is the provincial lottery corporation sports betting site? That very well will be the case, probably in a few. Hmm. Will it be everywhere? I don't mm-hmm. know. We're hoping it isn't because yeah. it's, sports is a very different product than other gaming products, to be frank. Um, it's very, yeah. very different. And um, the need for being able to access, which is proven out in the United States, you need mobile platforms, 100%. Have to be available right. out of the gate. Even the casino operators recognize yep. that. When you look at the New Jersey experience, you know their first summer in New Jersey, they the casinos saw a 16% uptick in business, in gaming business, right. not just sports, but gaming business. Uh, at the same time, 80% of the wagers in New Jersey at that time were being done online. Yeah. And they saw the benefit. And, and the casino operators, um, I know in Ontario, see that benefit too in being able to extend their brands online and create that, those partnerships potentially with sports betting platforms and operators. So ensuring that there's things like live in-game access, um, event wagering. Are there other people who look to things, products like betting on esports? All of these things need to be discussed yep. and need to be put in place. And so that's what we're trying to facilitate those conversations right now across the country. Obviously, Ontario has, has gone in, has set their direction, uh, which I think is a, a boon for casino, for customers, uh, benefit mm-hmm. for gaming operators, both land-based and online. Um, and so there's a few details left to be sorted out on that path, but... You know, we also make sure that the provinces set the right tax rate because it's a very yep. thin margin business. Yep. And that's the other problem we're trying to dissuade. There's, it's high volume. There's lots of handle, lots of gross wagering being done. But, you know, it comes at the other end is in that 5 to 7% range. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. so at the end of the day, there's not a lot to be taxed. And that's why we say don't get greedy. Yeah, because um, in the I mean, in the, you're going to hurt the business. Yeah, and because you saw in the states when that started happening, right? Like it, you know, these pro leagues were like, "Well, we want you know a percent to you know of of all of the gross or whatever." And it's like, guys, there's just not that much to go around, and there was a lot of sort of really unrealistic demands that were being made by the NBA, by different governments with regards to the taxation, right? And it's really you know, fundamentally, it's like, let's just get this into, you know, Canadian coffers here versus, you know, just being outside of Canada. And I guess my sort of, I don't know if it's a concern or whatever, but one of the things that I sort of wonder about this is, you know, listen, there's a, there's a lot of potential jobs that could be created by this. And my worry would be that it just becomes, oh, we're going to approve, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel and we're not actually creating any jobs. We're just sort of sending money to those already, you know, those companies that are already doing quite well um, that aren't Canadian companies. Um, you know, sort of contrast that and that concept and, you know, sort of take, take that down, if you will, um, with sort of the British model of, you know, like bricks and mortar shops. And like, you know, when, when marijuana got legalized, it was like, okay, um, you know, you have to, you know, apply and to have a store, but like you do see these sort of independent storefronts that pop up. Is that something that could be in our future? Like, can this be a small business or at least sort of a franchise small business type of thing in the future? Do you think? 
I, I don't see that as being an option, just given the no. way the industry is moving. I think technology is driving the fact that it's, it is predominantly an online business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the, the bet shops, I think in the UK, um, if you look a little deeper, they've more been supported by the fixed odds betting terminals, the machines right. in those facilities versus the betting that goes on in those facilities. Sure. Uh, and the government forced them to change the, the max wager on those machines and the profitability is diminishing. And, and I think right. that where I think that's the other, let's flip around the other good side from the UK and things you may see here, things like Skybet. So mm-hmm. you have a Sky Broadcaster. Yeah, they have about 20% market share in the UK in terms of sports wagering. Uh, is there a, a TSN bet or a Sportsnet bet in our future? Mm-hmm. Uh, like Fox bet in the United States or the Bally's deal with uh, the Fox regional news bro- the sports broadcasters that happened last a couple weeks ago. Right. Uh, those are options. And then you have, oh, those companies happen to own mobile phone companies. And they <laughs> yeah. have lots of customers. So mm-hmm. um, do you see that coming? Um, yeah. The, 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 the platforms like the score who have millions of, uh, I'm a user of their app in Canada all the time and sure. they have customers and they have relationships. Uh, and that's something we want to see because there's actually a lot of, uh, you mentioned about the, the economic benefits and there's lots of companies in the B2B space in sports betting that provide uh, backend products and services and other things that are wanting to play in the space and, 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 and get, uh, you know, are really looking forward to this, this change so they can uh, build out their companies as well. And because Canada has a great wealth of technology companies playing in the gaming and the online gaming space. In fact, you know, Canada punches way above its weight because we're the home that created PokerStars and yeah. was built out in Richmond Hill and, and, and lots of the technology people the brains behind the high gaming industry globally came from Canada. Yeah. And uh, we want to, we want to see some of that industry and we keep telling government, this is a way to do this too. This is, you're fostering a technology sector right. in the gaming space that's can, uh, and we've been out as an association. We were, we were been in doing events in the UK for the last couple of years, talking to companies about why uh, Canada and Ontario was great. Built up a companies in the lower mainland and BC come and build your company here to access the North American betting market. There's a great place to be. You can find great talent. Sure. And, and here's, this is an added benefit of creating an industry that's underneath all of this consumer activity. So we, we see there's, there's tremendous pluses everywhere in, in getting responsible, sane gaming laws. And that's what <laughs> right. we're working towards <laughs> yeah. as we get through this. And sometimes it's not a straight line to get there. Yeah, um, but we're now the combination of sports wagering and what Ontario is doing on online is setting, I think, a stage to see some potentially some really great changes for consumers. To be frank, okay. and that's the, really the best part is that it's we are a consumer centric business. Sometimes governments don't always think that way, right? Uh, but we are, and that's where trying to deliver um, products because technology is, you know, the great disruptor in many sectors and. Mm-hmm. and Gaming is no different. Yeah, absolutely. And we have to adapt. Yeah, yeah, and it's and, it, and it's nice to see. And again, as somebody who lives in Ontario, like I like that at least we're at the forefront. But you know, obviously, there's a tons of questions, right? Like, you know, that I've you know I've asked here that um, 
you know, that, that need to be dealt with within the next year or so. And uh, I appreciate you coming on to discuss them because, you know, like, like you said, like the answers aren't necessarily all there right now. And you're right. Like it's, you know, it's going to be the responsibility of these larger companies. And you mentioned obviously two of them in the sports realm. And, you know, it's going to be up to them to be appropriately staffed with regards to what they're going to try to do going forward. And yes, like the score is ahead of the game and all of that, um, which is awesome. Um, But, you know, there needs to be competition. And hopefully a lot of that is internal to Canada and that we can sort of um, take advantage of that rather than have sort of other companies outside of Canada take advantage of our legislation, which is sort of the only thing that I'm kind of concerned about from that standpoint. And then, of course, obviously the user experience, because you do see different states just frankly not doing it correctly yet. And because a lot of people just kind of really know, you know, the landscape, because it has been this sort of thing that's been pushed off to the side for a while now. It has, and then and there was, you know, there's there's great examples in the United States of what to do and what not to do. In New mm-hmm. Jersey, obviously, because they had they took their regulators and and their politicians got ahead of the uh, in creating a framework, and they opened very quickly after the the law was struck down. Um, but you contrast that with just next door in Pennsylvania, yeah, who created too many big regulatory hurdles for business. They created a ten million dollar licensing fee for companies. <laughs> Well, on a product with thin margins, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they they were slow to get things approved. And when you looked at the first year results, Pennsylvania did a third of what New Jersey did. And partly because I'm sure a lot of the Pennsylvanians down in Philadelphia it went over the border into New Jersey to place their bets yeah. because it was there and it was available quicker and sooner. Sure. Um, but you just... And that's what we're trying to make provincial governments aware of, of things you can do right to just to make sure that you're capturing the market versus things that are just going to frustrate, yeah. uh, frustrate your customers, frustrate you, uh, frustrate any sports betting company that wants to come to your jurisdiction. And so, you know, where that's where we're trying to have those conversations as we get ready for this bill to be passed um, to ensure that, that, that there is all kinds of offerings. I don't see sports shops on corners because we have lottery retailer tournaments in every so if there's sure. if that's going to be the purview of of that but can will the hospitality sector and sports bars be able to take advantage of certain products yes um, will you um the casino in person experience uh, sometimes tracks a very different type of sports better than yep. the online space in terms True. of a higher volume better um so wanting to create the right environments to do those kinds of things um, because, you know, it's not just, there's not just one type of sports betting customer. There's many. Absolutely. And being able to find the right, um, the right products, the right environments is going to be key. And that's the, the industry's, you know, been waiting for this for a long time. And there's, you know, from uh, different Properties, casino properties are looking at this very differently in terms of the offering they're trying to do. But everybody's looking and seeing and understanding that we know we need to make sure that we have access through multiple channels, and that's the in-person, online, uh, as best as we can, be able to satisfy our customers as best as possible. And so, uh, it's an exciting time. Yeah. Uh, and I think that there's, um, and I think that um, it's a, it's creating a new. I've always talked to people in. in 
you may disagree or not with me, sure. but I, I always, when I've done research and saying like people who gamblers who bet on sports and it's not a very big number, but I, I keep saying to people that there's lots of sports fans. A lot of sports fans who bet on sports don't consider themselves gamblers. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they no, do this as a fan. They do this as and the only gambling they do is sports. Yeah. And so I said that there's, there's a new customer potential we're opening ourselves up to is the gaming industry to be able to cater to and deal with. And, and, and we have to make sure that we're ready to do that because um, it is a broadening of our, our marketplace and attracting new business and new customers and, new, and offering new experiences. And so it's going to be an exciting time. Yep. Lots of work for the provinces, and, but we're, we're thankful just this first hurdle, which has been the biggest one, <laughs> yeah. unleashing anything, seems to be there's a finish line in sight now yeah. for the first time. So yeah. No, it's very cool. Very cool. Um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time for the show. Um, as it's, it's a really big deal, Anytime. like you're talking about, right? Like, it's a really big deal for people who listen to know what to expect. And again, whether they're even in Canada, a different province than Ontario, you know, down in the States where it's, you know, hasn't quite been legalized yet in their state, all of that sort of thing, right? We're keeping a keen eye on everything that's going to be happening here in 2021. President and CEO of the CGA, Canadian Gaming Association, Paul Burns. Thanks for hanging out with me today, man. Thanks for having me, Matt. Enjoyed it. Thanks again to Paul for his time. Hope that was as interesting for all of you as it was for me. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. Follow along on Twitter at MRussAuthentic. Until next time, I'll see you at the window.